Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time Podcast. I'm Luke Edwards, and joining me on the line today is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Good morning, Luke. And we also have Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Yeah, good morning, Luke. And we have a special guest as well. He's been on before. We have Hungerford Town Manager Ian Herring. Hello, Ian. Morning, Luke. Rob is away playing golf somewhere in the, the fields of Cambridgeshire and also our colleague as well, Tom, he got married yesterday to the lovely Harriet, so congratulations, Tom. We'll look at the National League, but we'll go back to Tuesday evening and uh, a few interesting results there, uh, most notably Dagenham getting well beaten at home by Boreham Wood. But there was a game that we were at, Chris, wasn't it? We inadvertently ended up going to the same game. Um, one of us only really working at it, but there we go. And it was uh, it was stopped put counting against Barrow, and um, it was really a really good advert for the National League, wasn't it? Oh, it was crackling, an absolute cracking game. Yeah, not so much the first half, but uh, you know, Barrow scored after only a few minutes, and, uh, and then they had to say they probably uh, dominated the first half. But second half, what a game that was! It was just topsy-turvy, great free kick in the middle of it and uh, you know, Stockport County ended up bouncing back and getting the win and I tell you what, they were absolutely dead on their feet by the by the final whistle on Tuesday night um, but great atmosphere, great advert and uh, one of the best games I've seen for a long time actually that was Luke Yeah, it was end-to-end stuff and I know that they were um, relieved at the end because they, they, they did really just sit on the lead at the end, didn't they? And Barrow hit the post, didn't they? And uh, it was really hair and scare and stuff at the end yeah, it felt like a cup final. It really did. Um, the way they were hanging on and the, the tension in the crowd and just to get that first win in the, in the National League. And I think after they got it, I think a lot of people thought, well, we've arrived now. Um, we've had a few games, we've played decent, but we've arrived and we've, we've got three points and it certainly serves them well. I caught up with one of the goal scorers, central defender Jordan Keane. So I'm here with Stockport County defender Jordan Keane, a goal scoring defender tonight. I mean, you picked the ball up about 30 yards from goal, and was it in your mind to uh, think shoot straight away? Yeah, as soon as I seen I had a bit of space, I like to, when we're a switch player, I like to step, step in. I normally I play on the left side, so you sort of on your left foot with this tonight I was on the right and I've cut in I'm on my right foot my stronger foot and I've just just hit it to be honest Have you scored many of them? Uh, I scored a couple yeah I scored a couple a lot have gone over <laughs> and wide but I've scored a couple of them to be fair It was a topsy-turvy game wasn't it? as a neutral it was a really entertaining game as well I mean for you it must have been quite stressful at times Yeah I think there's a few we're still working on things it's still early doors but I think there's a lot of confidence here and to concede two and still win a game uh, speaks volumes but like I say the first three games we've, we've been on top and not really come on, out on top as such but tonight we have so what have you noticed about the standard obviously it's a lot higher teams are a lot quicker to stuff and is that something you've got to adapt to quick yeah I think uh, you come against bigger stronger players um, I think the one thing we'll notice this year teams won't fall off as much as what they probably did last year and teams will stay strong for 90 minutes where we've got to break them down and play with our uh, ability what we've got and not count on mistakes as such and just uh, break teams down I suppose the other thing to try and score first in a game you've conceded first in every game so far haven't you yeah I mean it's not as if we're getting caught open I think we'll all hold our hands up and say that they've been sloppy goals um, so if we can get that out of the game then I think we'll, we feel strong we don't feel like we're getting caught open at all to be honest um, but like I say if we can cut them not not even silly goals but them half chances what they get and they score if we can cut them out then I think we'll kick on A big season this season I mean you look quite certainly solid at the back don't you and uh, I'm guessing the aim is at least mid-table and above Yeah I think we're just it's a new new season new league we'll take game, game by game uh, prepare for every team the same um, and just put our all in see what happens also, some noted results at the top as well in midweek. Halifax suffered their first defeat of the season. They lost 1-0 at Wrexham, despite Wrexham going down to 10 men. And Solihull won 6-1 at Charlie. And uh, we know Charlie are good defensively, but uh, we'll come on to them shortly about the weekend result. But that's a bit of a shocker for them, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. The, uh, well, to the weekend result in a second as well, but... They're conceding a lot of goals, aren't they, Charlie? And I've got to be honest, I didn't really expect them to be tight. They were really tight last season in the National League North. But this is a big step up in levels, isn't it? And um, 
let's not forget how good Solihull are or how good Solihull appear this season as well. And um, they really are the real deal and they've, they've obviously brought some cracking players in as well that we know well and uh, they're going fantastic. So, yeah, um, yeah, Chorley, they're going to have to do something, aren't they, Chorley, to, uh, to try and stop the rot. So another result that really caught me eye on Tuesday night was filed. They were 2-0 down at Hartlepool but came back to get a draw in the end and uh, that should stand them in good stead going into the weekend. We'll find out shortly whether it did. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. No, that was a that was a good result, wasn't it, on uh, on Tuesday? And yeah, it's difficult to talk about this without talking about what happened on Saturday, isn't it? But, it is. Uh, um, yeah, no, Dave Challen would be really, really happy about about Tuesday night. Look, they've got an absolutely fantastic squad, and I still stick by them as uh, as one of my favourites for for winning the league this season. Even they've picked out the best of the uh, the national league. They've picked out some really good players who played higher up as well to build on what they had last season. And last season was good as well. Um, so no, good result Tuesday night, definitely for Fylde. So let's look back at what happened over the weekend. So in the National League, well, we'll get on to Fylde. As I say, when most of us, apart from Dickie, predicted them as favourites. But they had a rather surprising defeat, didn't they, at home to Woke? And it looked like they'd sorted out their way, Woke's Fylde, by coming back from 2-0 down. As we said, we know how strong they are at home. But 4-1 at home to Woke, Chris, didn't see that coming. No, I don't think anyone saw that one coming. But all credit to Woke. And you know what? It's Fylde were chasing the game. I've looked at a few reports of this and... Uh, yeah, they, they were chasing the game and they um, Woking put them on the back, back foot. Dave Tarpey scoring as well, which was, I thought was fantastic because you know he's, he's had a bit of a, a barren time over the last season or two after being an absolute superstar um, before. And um, yeah, scoring at the place where Danny Rowe normally scores as well. The other One of the other um, superstar goal scorers as well. But uh, all credit for Woking for going up there and, and winning. There's not many teams who are going to go and win at Mill Farm, but uh, Woking certainly did a job on them. And to score four goals as well is pretty pretty amazing as well and pretty impressive. Well, exactly. I was, and not many teams. That might be the only time they can see four goals all season, uh, I think. But you know, it's definitely the result of the day, isn't it, Luke? Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it do a help by Ryan Crowsdale, Ryan Crowsdale being sent off, but still, it's um, you've got to take advantage of that, and and, and that they did. Go till the seventy fifth minute, so um, you know they had plenty of time to uh, with eleven men to do something about it. So. Um it's fantastic, really good result. Solihull were top, they remain unbeaten. They got a good win against Ebsley. Again, didn't quite have it their own way, but uh, I suppose that's a sign of champions, isn't it, really, guys? They, they ground it out in the end. Yeah, I think that's one of the, the qualities that I that made me pick Solihull as my tips to go up, to be perfectly honest. They just seem to have that ability, or they've got the players in there who can just get you through really tight games you know you, they'll, they'll get a 1-0 win away from home not not by totally shutting up shot but but they are really really hard to break down they're really awkward to play against well, that result for Woking as well moves them up to second behind Solihull and in third are a couple of our tips to get in the playoff Bromley who had to come from behind to win at Hartlepool and again Chris that's, a, that's an outstanding result because it's a long long journey that oh god yeah that really is and um you know, Rob, our colleague Rob, who, who isn't on the uh, on the pod today, he saw them the other night as well and said the uh, you know they looked uh, pretty decent. I think he mentioned they were quite functional as well, mm, which yeah. uh, you know, which is a, a compliment in a way, isn't it? And um, no, a, a fantastic result at Hartlepool. And from Hartlepool's point of view, they'll be uh, they'll be disappointed. I think they were hoping that this season might be the one, and at the moment they haven't started too too well, um, and they're going to have to. We're going to have to look at that and look at whether it's what's what's going wrong. Is it players? They've got the support there. Uh, they've got the people behind them. But very quickly, that support might get a little bit disillusioned if uh, if they're going to be lurking sort of mid-table and towards the bottom reaches. Can I just mention something on Solihull? I watched the interview with uh, with Tim Flowers, and um, you know Ian might have have something to to say about this as well. But uh, Tim Flowers, he looked he looked really disappointed. He didn't look. Uh, he wasn't over the moon with the victory yesterday. He said that uh, you know they didn't get out of the traps and they, they ended up turning it round. And I think when you see a manager who's disappointed, they've won two one. They're on. I think they're on a run of four games unbeaten at the start of the season, the top of the league. And 
I was quite enthused to see that he was disappointed um, because if you get a disappointed manager and you're on a four-match unbeaten, unbeaten run, it suggests there's more to come. Yeah, it's, um, different different managers do things in different ways, and um, I'm, I'm sure Tim has, has set the bar high, especially after last year where they nearly achieved achieved promotion. Um, so so he's obviously set the bar high, set their standards. And um, the minute there's any sign of those players falling below those standards, so I'm sure he is very disappointed. And um, that that's the that's the sort of signs of how professional Tim is and and, how, and what he wants from his squad. So yeah, if there's any signs, it win, lose or draw, I'm sure he will be disappointed if, he's, if his team's falling below the standards he set. Is that a psyche of a manager though, Ian, in terms of you're always wanting more, aren't you, even when you've won, you're always looking for improvement, aren't you? Yeah, of course. Uh, it's even sort of, you win 4 5 nil. As a manager, you, you always look to improve. Um, I don't think there's any, any point in any season that, that you can sort of stand, stand still and think we've cracked it because as soon as you, you sort of got that mentality, very similar to golf, it comes back to bite you in the bum type thing. So, um, so yeah, you, you, a lot of managers, are, uh, everyone that I've come across, they're very honest, they're very emotional. Um, the interviews you see, I don't think there's too many games being played and it's just their honest honest assessment and, and that's how, how, how you've got to be, I believe. In terms of a surprise um, candidate up there at the minute in fifth of Maidenhead, uh, Chris, you saw him opening day at Stockport. I mean, they've had a, a decent uh, run of fixtures, haven't they, to start off the season? And we talked about Charlie conceding goals. Well, they conceded four at Maidenhead on Saturday. Yeah, no, they did. And what I was, was going to say about Maidenhead is I've seen four of County's five, Stockport County's five games this season, and Maidenhead have been the best team. Uh, absolutely the best team and for me they've got the best striker that I've seen all, all season as well in Jake Cassidy what a player he is he's absolutely brilliant he holds the ball up he looks like he's going to score every time he gets it he's an absolutely fantastic player is Jake Cassidy Maidenhead Alan Devonshire's got, got them organised he's, um, he's got them playing some really tight football so you really can't um, you can't play through them, and I think you know they could be a little bit of a surprise this season. I can't remember where I tipped them. Like, um, Knowing possibly, you, uh, probably to go down. Yeah, possibly <laughs> I wasn't very uh, complimentary at the start. Of the season, since I've seen them, and since um, I've seen what they're doing, they're, they're a very, very good team. Yeah, I mean, Jake Cassidy got one yesterday from the penalty spot and Maidenhead got two late on, I presume, with Charlie trying to push. And Jamie Vermiglio was, he was bemoaning uh, the mistakes he made for the goal, said they were too easy in the end. And he's basically said, look, we've got to learn that it's a step up in level now and we're going to get punished. Yeah, yeah. look, they've still got some fantastic players at Charlie. I was... Uh, I was pleased to see that Marcus Carver got off on the uh, on the score sheet yesterday because he's a good example of someone who I think can do it at that level. They've got um, you know they've got a bit of experience there. They've got Courtney Meppen Walters there who uh, who tends to, to run the midfield. But uh, yeah, summer's summer's not working. Let's let's not forget it's very early days. It's uh, Chorley, you know, it's uncharted territory for for Chorley as well and. Um, it's a case of sort of recalibrating, I guess, and um, and seeing what's required at this level. Because I've got to tell you, from watching um, you know National League North last season to to the National League, it, it is a big step up. There's uh, you, you really do notice the difference. Wrexham now currently in eleventh, but they play Notts County on Sundays. We record this podcast. We don't know the result of that yet. If Wrexham do win that, they will go back into the playoff spots and they'll knock Dover out who've had a couple of good results recently but surprisingly lost at home on Saturday to Torquay and uh, a bit of a funny result there along with Sutton who got a really good 1-0 win away also. Well Luke, um, just to, just on the Torquay result, um, I think that's joint result of the day with Wilkin actually because uh, you know what a victory that is and um, it was interesting watching Gary Johnson's post-match interview and he thinks that those... Both of those teams are going to be there or thereabouts, so that shows his ambitions for the season, um, Gary Johnson's. And one thing he was—I haven't actually seen this—but he, he was talking about the sending off, and apparently um, 
apparently there's a sending off where the ball hit the crossbar and bounced back. I forget who the player was actually. Bounced back and hit his player on the hand, and the referee awarded a penalty. And he, the, lad, the lad got sent off as well, so he, he, he was bemoaning that one. Um, and um, what, what do we think about VAR in the National League? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's more, well. I mean, t- t- without going off topic a little bit, but what it's more the rule than the VAR itself, I think, isn't it? You know, because the rules now, it's kind of, if it hits your hand, it's, that's it, doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> it yeah. It's like hockey, anyway. Anyway, we digress, that's for another podcast. Um, just in Sutton as well, they they um, they remained in sixth, they won 1-0 at Bournemouth, a good victory for them. Moving on to the bottom, pressure was relieved on, on Peter Taylor. I was there last week at Halifax and they said... Uh, Basically, he made a couple of subs and the fans were shouting at them. He didn't know what they were doing. He was getting a lot of stick. They lost again at home midweek to Bournemouth. He was getting a lot of stick then. So they bounced back on Saturday with a 40 win over Harrogate and a, a massive, massive relief for uh, Peter Taylor and Dagenham. No, yeah, it really is. And um, <laughs> yeah, that's um, pressure relieved, isn't it? But I've got to say, you know, Peter Taylor, he's been there and done that, hasn't he? He's been, he's been around the circuit and. I, you know, he's experienced enough to know that a couple of bad results, and, and these days, he, you know, fans get on your back, people start talking about you, and I'm sure, Luke, I'm sure he just takes all this in his stride. Are we um, guys? Are we surprised at how Harrogate have started? They're only on four points after five games. I'm a little bit, yeah, because yeah, I thought they would be um, punching a bit quite harder than they have so far this season. But then, a, a number of my tips for promotion in the National League down towards the bottom as well so maybe that says more about my knowledge than anything else but it's still early days Dickie's still early days <laughs> um, one of the teams who are in the relegation zone at Eastleigh they were at Stockport County yesterday and you saw them Chris yes yeah I did and um, I thought they were alright actually they, um, they played um, decent in the first half I mean I've got to be honest the first half was <laughs> I shouldn't say this but it was pretty dull for my for my uh, a non-league paper match report. I don't think I'd hardly written anything down in the first half an hour. It was uh, it, it was it was tame stuff. But the second half came to life a little bit. And um, you know, Ben Strevens, he was he was talking about the first goal was was really crucial. And uh, we'll listen to what he's got to say now. Ben, unlucky today. I mean, it was a really tight first half, but County took it away from you a little bit in that second half. Yeah, look, just the fact of scoring the first goal, you know, I don't think there was anything in the game which, um, up until they scored the first goal. Um, it's pretty even first half. I wasn't overly happy with our shape in the first half. We had to change it just because of the personnel we had available. Um, but yeah, it was very even. Pretty much all of our games this season, the first five of them have been very close, very even, and, and we've probably not picked up as many points as we'd like to. Did you expect it to be like that? Did you expect it to be close, tight? Not much space, really, was there to, to attack? Well, they play they play more or less a five in midfield. I know they get their wingers to join in, but they make it very compact, very um, organised without the football. Um, you know, they won the Conference North last year, so they're, they're a big, strong, organised team. We knew it was going to be tough. Um, there wasn't a lot in the game, but obviously a, a poor goal for us to give away the first one. And then I'm not sure right now until I see it back whether it's a, a good goal for them on the second or a poor one from us. Um, but yeah, we, we, of course it was going to be hard. We knew every game was going to be hard. And five matches in, how would you assess it so far? Um, well, I'd like more points on the board. Um, was there going to be a hangover from the playoffs last year and how close we got? Maybe a little bit, but um, I don't like using excuses. You know, I'm a very positive person. We've got good enough players and um, a good enough group to win games of football. Uh, we've got four points out of five. We're probably, if I'm being honest, probably four off of where maybe our performances deserve to be. We probably should have a few more on board, but I'm sure every manager will look at that and say, um, you know, after five games, ones where you dropped a point here or there, they'll be saying the same as me. So um, it's only the start. It's how it's not how you start. It's how you end. We'll get better and we'll get stronger. We had a slow start last year and we um, went on a great run in the second half of the season. Um, it's my job to make sure they don't get too down, beat losing the game today, and get ready for a tough weekend ahead. Yeah. And what are the ambitions for the season? Is it another playoff shot or is it another? Yeah. Listen, there's no there's no point going into anything other than wanting to be up towards the top end of the table. Um, is it going to be tough? Of course it is, because um, we lost some good players in the summer, but we um, we also recruited very well in the summer as well. So um, everyone will be saying the same things. You know, we all want to be towards that top half of the table. Um, it sort of levels out after about 10 to 15 games. You get a bit of a gauge of where the league is at. 
early doors pretty much everyone beats everyone um, so um, we'll have to see where we are in 10 games you know before we start talking about you know what our ambitions are right now we're just concentrating trying to win a game before next Saturday that's my first um, thing I'm thinking about and that was Ben Strevens and they have lost a few key players most notably Paul McCallum and they replaced him with Scott Randell but there is I mean looking at the lineup that they had yesterday there is still a lot of that squad that made it to the playoff semis last year yeah, there is. I've got to say, I've used this word once already on the podcast so far. They're very functional, um, but I do worry about the, the firepower. Um, they, and they didn't really create anything for, for Rendell, to be fair. He, he was substituted, and I thought, I, I can't remember a single chance that, that he's had throughout the game. One thing that I do have to mention about this game was, number one, Adam Thomas was outstanding for Stockport County yesterday. He scored three, three and three. He was a player that a lot... A lot of people, I know a lot of county fans were wondering how he was going to perform in the National League this season, but he's been outstanding. Secondly, what a goal from Elliot Osborne. You've got to watch the highlights package for this one. It was a, it was direct from a throw-in. He let the ball sort of go across his body and he sort of lazily rocked back and smashed one into the top corner from nearly 25 yards out. So uh, a goal of the season contender already. It's certainly interesting in terms of... Uh how Stockport are going to do this year. I think they'll be quite strong at home, actually, with that, that crowd behind them. Yeah, no, I was going to say, it's funny, actually, because I thought playing away might suit them a little bit more. The style of play, they're, they're, a, they're a sort of a counter-attacking team and they like it when teams come onto them. Um, and then they sort of um, spring out the traps, if you like. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, yesterday's was a, a performance where they had to break a team down and in the end, they ended up doing it. Ian, I, I just wanted to ask you about you heard Chris say about Adam Thomas there and he was kind of, he was okay in the National League North and then they weren't sure about the step up to the National League. Do you think some players benefit from uh, stepping up in a bit of quality and, and having maybe more time on the ball? Yeah, it, it, it's obviously a massive step up. Uh, majority of clubs in the, in the South and North are, are part-time, whereas majority in the National are full-time. So, um, so different players, um, sometimes some surprise you and you think, would they be able to handle it? But, but sometimes it helps playing with better players and um, like you say, the time, the space, etc. But also the, the intelligence of the other players can, can bring inferior, I'd say, if you like, players along. And, um, and yeah, there's, there's a lot of good players out at, at, the, at the National League South and North level. And I think, I think if they are given that opportunity in a full-time environment, there's no reason why they can't do ever so well and, and kick on again. And, and Touching on that, I, just, I was delighted to see Alfie Whittingham get his first start for Aldershot yesterday, and um, he's a player that I believe could, buy, could have, if he stayed with us one more year, he could have bypassed the, um, the, the the national league and gone into the into um, into the football league. But um, he, he's he's got his first start yesterday and got man of the match, so I'll keep an eye on him. But there's a lot of players that, that will they, they'll step up, they'll play with better players, and, and they're. they're sure they'll do very well. You're learning very well Ian because you've teed it up beautifully because Rob caught up with Alfie Whittingham after all the shots 1-1 draw with Halifax. Right, as uh, regular listeners will know, week in week out I speak to somebody from the opposition when I come to the Aldershot games but I'm going to buck that trend today um, and speak to somebody who's come up from the National League South last season and has finally, after a bit of patience, had his first start for Aldershot Town this afternoon against Halifax. Um, Alfie Whittingham uh, welcome to Aldershot and to the National League and your first man of the match as well. Yeah, I was, uh, I'm pleased to get my man of the match. Obviously, uh, we felt the boys felt like we should have got our three points today. Um, but for me, it's been a good journey so far um, and I've loved every minute of it. And the gaffer told me to wait patient for my chance. I've got my chance, so I feel like I've taken it now. Yeah, you were instrumental in a really good first half display from Aldershot, which probably, if anything, just lacked a second goal that might have uh, secured victory today. Ultimately, you've got to settle for a point. But uh, just tell us what the transition's been like um, for you from, from Hungerford last season to Aldershot. Uh, I guess they're two very different kind of setups. Yeah, uh, it's very different setups. Obviously, Aldershot's full time, Hungerford was part time. Um, we were struggling last year with Hungerford. We had a lot of. Uh, a lot of problems within the club, but the staff was so fantastic that worked there. Um, and 
we worked our way up, and that's how we that's how we kept up. And I think last year playing 40 games under Ian Herring and Kev Watson, they gave me so much um, help, le- learnt so much that year, getting so many games, playing that level. That's obviously pushed me on on into having the opportunity of older shot, especially when I had a good run of games with them just after December. There's a few other up-and-coming youngsters as well, and there's a lot of competition for places. But as you mentioned, you you, you hopefully took your chance today. You showed pre-season when you came on against Portsmouth that you you uh, two assists and a goal in just 20 minutes, and uh, that's very much part of your game. Very forward-thinking player. Yeah, my old man's always said it to me: think, uh, think forward, play forward, run forward all the time. And that's uh, that's my game. Whenever I get the ball, my first thought is forward. Um, and then if not, that's when I look at going sideways, just keeping keeping possession. But run forward, drive forward, pass forward, always. And it's ingrained in you clearly. I ought to mention at this point. And to be fair, you probably get it mentioned every interview. I wasn't <laughs> going to mention it, but Alfie's father is Guy Whittingham. Of course, he scored, I don't know, hundred and something odd goals in 400 games for Portsmouth. And uh, do you think, uh, you know, it was all them years of watching him that it rubbed off a little bit? I'm actually gutted because I never got to see Dad play much. Oh. No, because because of my age, uh, my, both my brothers saw him a little bit, but I never. Mm got to see him apart from a few charity games but he's not uh, running around up top with a yeah. bit of belly on him there's nothing like that anymore <laughs> yeah. um but no yeah definitely uh, he didn't push me into any sport to be honest we we played loads of sports when we were younger um but obviously i just found my love to football and uh, st- stuck with it because i've done well now just while we've got you here uh, next week you'll travel on the bank holiday weekend down to torquay and, yep. and i'm guessing that you will have played them once or twice last year for for hungerford yeah it's going to be a, a tough game against gary johnson's side just yep. come up yeah it will be it will be we uh played him at home last year we lost i can't remember i think it was 2-1 we lost last year at home but then we uh beat, we beat them 1-0 away uh, at the end of the year and it was i think it was their biggest attendance as well they're about five and a half thousand there uh, biggest National League self-attendance ever and uh, it was a great experience playing in front of that crowd um, and yeah we dug in we won they're a good side uh, mm. they got a lot of good players but I feel like we've got a lot of good players and after our performance today against the second mm. second in the league this team um, our, we've got no fear at all going there turning them over and I'm talking a big win Thank you Alfie for joining us great stuff and have a good Top season man. And that was Alfie Whittingham and um, so basically Ian what you're saying is we'll blame Rob for him not going straight up to league football <laughs> Finally, just before we move on to the uh, to look at the south and the north, Chesterfield, um, Chesterfield, Chris. It's a funny one. They've, they've they've started really slowly. They started well last last season and and kind of had a really sticky patch. And they've started really slowly. And they're having lots of draws again, aren't they already? Yeah, yeah um, they are having a lot of draws. But you know that suggests that it's only a bit of tweaking here and there, and it's a it's an early table, but. Yeah, the, the teams that come down, you expect the second season to be a lot better than your first, don't you? If you look at history anyway, if you look at Leighton Orient, they struggled first season, then they got it right the second season. Yeah, so, you know, it's good to see Mike fond up Talon on the, on the score sheet again. Um, and I think they've got enough quality there. I think you'll see them moving up the table. And like I say, you know, a lot of draws, you know, it doesn't take much for to turn that round and, uh, you know, those draws become, become wins. And we're going to look at the National League South now. Hi, my name's Steve Claridge. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. So the team who are standing out at the top, they, they let go of Bobby Wilkinson in the summer, are Wheelstone. They won 3-0 at Hemel Hempstead Town, following up their 4-0 win over Braintree last weekend. And, and Ian, they started off brilliantly. They've, they've only actually dropped points in one of the games so far, and they've only conceded two goals. Yeah, they've had a wonderful start. Um, I watched their game back. They played Chippenham on Tuesday, so I've watched that game back where we had Chippenham yesterday. And um, Dean Brennan's put together a, a, a very good team there. Um, they can play different styles of football. They can go long if needs be, but they can also pass the ball. Um, Dean Dean's obviously very experienced at this level, and um, he's recruited a lot of players. His time out of the game where he wasn't the manager looks like it's helped him and he's done a lot of homework and, and, and he's recruited a lot of good players and the fan base they've got at Wheelstone is, um, is something special and, and I can see them staying where they are for, for, for the best part of the season. Wow, so you think they'll, they'll, get, they'll make it into the playoffs easily then? 
Yes, I think so. From what I've seen so far, obviously it's early days, but um, they're, they're a very, very good out- outfit. And um, I think this, the, the two lads at the back, Connor Stevens and Jerome Akimo, they're, they're, they're two of the best defensive defenders in the league. It's a wonderful partnership, and but they, this season they've added firepower at the top. And um, Ross Lafayette is, um, is very, very capable at this level. I was going to say, Ross Lafayette's a fantastic signing for them, isn't it? Yeah, he's a, he's a wonderful player. He's, he's another one that should possibly still be playing higher. But um, sometimes people drop down for, for the ambition to win win something, and, and that's possibly why he may have dropped down a level. But yeah, like I say, Dean knows his stuff, and um, I can see Wheelstone being there or thereabouts come the end of the season. Team will just a point behind him. Two teams are Weymouth and Bath. Bath, we are. We know about um, Ian, they're very solid, always there or thereabouts, aren't they, in the playoffs. But Weymouth have started off really, really well. And again, they've brought in a really good, experienced striker in Brett Williams. And he, he bagged a brace yesterday as they beat Dartford. Yeah, we played um, Bath on Tuesday. Um, we, we lost 2-1 and, and a couple of mistakes. Sort of, sort of 2-0 down, we got a, got a late goal. But Bath are a, a, a very, very good football inside. And um, they lost some key players. Um, last season and Jerry Gill's recruited very well and they look they look very very good again this season and I'm sure they'll be there or thereabouts um, but yeah Weymouth as well they've had a wonderful start and uh, it's it's good to see them up there really because they've had they've had financial issues in the past, past and um, they're, they're a big non-league club and um, I'm sure I'm sure their crowds are starting to go up to go back on the up the same as on the pitch they're going on the up and um, yeah, again, it's early days, but um, they've had a wonderful start. And Concord, who'd, um, who'd had an unbeaten start to the season when we spoke on last week's podcast, they surprisingly lost at Tombridge Angels, which just shows the madness of the National League. It was top versus bottom. Tombridge hadn't got a point on the board. Concord had, had beaten all before them, but <laughs> Tombridge went and won 3-1 in midweek, and then Concord drew 2-2 with Dulwich, and, um, who were on the same amount of points by them. Concord, a fourth on goal difference. And, well, only one point for them in, in, in the week, really. It's... Um, out of those two games they'll be disappointed with that although they'll be pleased to have got a draw at Dulwich on Saturday Yeah Concord have had a, had a wonderful start as well um, obviously Sammy Moore's left there last season and, and took a lot of players with him so so Concord have re- recruited a lot of players a lot of players from the level below and, and it looks like they're, they're stepping up to the plate and, and handling, it, handling it very well um, it's, it's, it's difficult at this time of the season um, in the sense of there's eight games in August and it takes a while for the table to sort of even itself out so will Concord be where they are come sort of December who knows but they've, they've had a wonderful start um, Tunbridge as well uh, their manager Steve McKinn McKinn knows my assistant Kev Watson extremely well and um, they speak a lot and, and he knows how tough his, his task is going to be at this level and he, he set them up to um, to be tough to beat and they've had a wonderful win midweek and also they've got a clean sheet at Bath yesterday which which shows they're no mugs. Yeah, exactly. Tyler Tyler Harvey, who's been prolific so far this season, Mr. Penalty in that game. I'm just I'm just intrigued actually. You were saying about your assistant Kevin Watson knows um no, Steve McKim. I'm guessing in the week leading up to when you play each other, uh, Kevin Watson's turning his phone off, is he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's just the football world, and obviously everyone knows a lot of people, and, um, and the ones you obviously get on with, respect, etc. You try and help each other out, but obviously that friendship when you're playing against each other turns into turns into rivalry that, that, that's more than other people. If that makes sense. So um, yeah, but we'll be looking forward to playing some bridges. It's a, it's a ground that, that our supporters haven't ever been to, so. Another team who were just in the playoffs, um, Billy Ricky. They've, after a decent start, they've uh, they've kind of tailed off a bit. They are still in sixth, though, on ten points. They drew one-one with Hampton, who are at the bottom. We'll come on to them shortly. In and also Dork. And are you surprised at how they've started? They've started off really well. They got a one-one draw at St Albans, who recovered from a, a really bad defeat at home to Braintree on Tuesday. No, not surprised if I'm being true for true for they're spending an awful lot of money um, 
So, so no, they, they, they're on the crest of a wave. They're coming up and up and up. And when there's a feel-good factor in your squad, in your team, and you're adding, you're adding the quality that they can add, um, there's no reason why they can't stay where they are at the moment. Um, so, no, no, not surprised one bit by the, how well they're doing. I'm interested as well, Ian. The game of the day, probably in the National League South, was Haven against Chelmsford. And surprise, surprise, they cancelled each other out. But it was an interesting comment from Paul Doswell. He said... Basically, when you score six in midweek, it means you don't get a good result the week after. I mean, it's still a positive result, I suppose, uh, drawing nil-nil against a team who's probably going to be in and amongst them in the playoff race. Yeah, I mean, what a wonderful result that was to, to, to hit Dorkin for six. But um, but no, Chamsford, again, they're, they're a very strong outfit. And, and Rod Stringer knows what he's doing. They've been in the playoffs for the last three seasons, I think. So... It's, it's a tough, tough league for, for teams to get out of and, and I think I think a point against Chelmsford at any stage of the season is not a bad point. The, the, the FA give you a point to start off with so, so they maintain that point so I don't think they can grumble too much at that. Just just on that one, guys, I was just looking on the uh, the National League website and looking at the, the results and um, the National League have got the attendance as one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, so, um, it was very poorly attended. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a bit of a, an anomaly there which needs to be sorted out. Um, we know Ollie well. Ollie, sort it out. Um, down at the bottom then, uh, the bottom two currently in the National League South. Uh, Hampton and Richmond Borough there, bottom at the minute. They finally picked up their first point over the weekend. They drew 1-1 with Bill Ricky, as we said there, and a decent result for them in the end. And Dartford... They've started off really, really badly, haven't they, Ian? They've only got two points, and a bit of a surprise, that. Yeah, it is. We, um, we play them in the coming weeks. Um, it's, it's very similar. I don't think they started very well last season, um, but they, they sort of got it together, and I, I can't remember. I think they narrowly missed out on the playoffs last year. But, um, yeah, they, they've not had a great start, and um, they, they've got the ability to be able to recruit if they need to, and I'm sure they're... They'll be looking to turn their season round and turn it round quick. I just want to give Braintree a mention because last week we were rock bottom. Uh, they went and won. They went and won 3-0 at St Albans in midweek, and then they put five past Eastbourne on Saturday. It's uh, you must love that as a manager, you know. And you, you you kind of down in a dumps. You need a result, and then you just go and score eight goals in two games and get six points. Yeah, obviously um, that that's the nature of this league, especially in August. The games come thick and fast, and um, two wins can see you rocket right up there. Yeah, it's propelled them up to 12th place, that is it's amazing, like you say. So early in the season, a couple of results just, just rocket you up up the table. And, and that's something you'll be hoping to do um, at the minute, Ian. You, you, you're doing okay, you're in 18th on four points. And uh, unfortunately, you must be sick of the name Pratt because David got the equaliser for chipping him. We've got Chris on the other end of the line, but uh, he got the he cancelled it. He, he denied you three points in the end, David Pratt. Yeah, he did. It wasn't just a match day. I know David very well. He listened to him and... Um, it was more so um, us not being able to take our chances. Um, in the first half, we created enough chances to, to win three or four games. So um, that can come back to bite you in the bum. And unfortunately, Pratty has. But um, they were very good in the second half. So on the, on the balance of it, a point of their result. And, and yes, we were at home and looking to win the game. But Chip and them are a very good team. And um, you can't grumble at a point at this level, really, at this stage. It's... Um, it's season only started a couple of weeks ago and you've already played five games, you played midweek, Saturday, midweek, Saturday, obviously there's a, there's a bit of a break coming up. Um, do you prefer that when it's when it's you know so intense in, the, in those first few games or you're really looking forward to this break now? It's, it's 
physical. If you start well and, and you're sort of winning, then, yeah, you want game after game after game and just carry on where you left off. But um, if, if you're in a position where we're, where we're at, um, where you have to recruit and put a team together, and you, you're still kind of working working things out, um, personnel systems, and you're, you're, you're trying to find what is your best way. And when it's Saturday, Tuesday, and just the Thursday, which is essentially a recovery session, to, to find the time to coach is, is very difficult. Um, so, so next week there's no game on Tuesday, so it gives us two sessions to work on things. So, so it's come at a good time for us. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's catch twenty two. If you if you start well, then great, you want the games. But if you don't have such a good start, then you'd like to work on things. So, but I know why they do it. Obviously, for, for pitches, so games aren't pulled off, etc. It is what it is. We know we know the league, and, and you just get on with it. How difficult has it been, Ian, for you during the summer? Because I know, obviously, you had to sort of rebuild again. A lot of your players left, didn't they? Yeah, it's, uh, we know we know what we are. The, the likes of obviously Ian Hill moved to the football league. Delighted to see him go uh, Alfie as well. But then we've also lost our Foxley and Danilo, um, and those types of players are kind of hard to replace. But that's that, that's what we're in the job for, um, and. You speak to a lot of players, and then there's a lot of in the catchment area we're in. There's a lot of other clubs that can sort of offer a better package for them, if you like, and, and or offer better environments. They feel so. Um, so yeah, we have to do a lot of work on recruitment and, and give players opportunities from levels below that we can think and cope with it. And um, and yeah, we 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 start like I say. I feel the squad's in a better position now than we were this time last year and um, we've got a, we've got a few good young lads young lads with us that um, obviously I want to keep them but I, I think they should be playing higher already what they've shown well I was going to say I suppose what you can offer them Emmy and Ian is, is that you say look we can't maybe give you the money of other clubs but you only have to give the example of like Marvel at Pateta and, and Alfie Whittingham you know moving up levels yeah, that's the environment we're trying to provide. We're trying to provide them with a platform. Um, like I say, we, we, we give good coaching as well. Kev Watson is, is fantastic. Um, we try and treat the, treat the players the right way. And most importantly, the, the, I've got the full backing of the chairman that, that won't stand in anyone's way to, to progress, which is, which is wonderful for, for an individual that comes and joins our group. Um, and we've managed to get young Joe Tomlinson from um, Brighton, and that that was the call for him to play step two and hopefully kick on to get back into the football league. And um, and yeah, he's he's one of the names that, that I anticipate to, to follow Mark Lee. So now we're going to have a look at the National League North. Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier, and this is the NL Full Time Podcast. And in the National League North, guys, it's uh, a case of York. Just keep on going. They've only conceded one goal. And they've won four out of the first five games, and a really good win for them at home again against the stubborn Leamington side. You know it'll make it difficult for them, and I think home form is going to be key for York this year. Yes, it is. I mean, regardless of where that home is, because it's going to change part way through the season. But um, yeah, that that might be an interesting factor actually to see how they adjust to that new environment. But clearly, if they're winning games at, uh, at Booth and Crescent, you'd expect them to carry on doing that when they move to their new ground. We'll head back to Tuesday briefly now because, of course, um, there was midweek fixtures in the National League North and, and you went and watched Telford down at Hereford, didn't you, Dickie? Before the game, they got rid of Mark Richards, hadn't they, over the weekend? Uh, yeah. just, be, just before just before they played yourselves on the Tuesday? Yeah, Mark Richards um, left his post on Monday. So, obviously, they went into the game probably only about 36 hours later with uh, director of football, Tim Harris, taking charge of the team for um, uh, in the interim while they look for somebody but I Ben Goddard who covers uh, Hereford for the Hereford Times he's well met he actually started out writing on the programme at AFC Telford and he's a Telford boy by birth so I, I took the opportunity to catch up with him and find out what was behind that Richards dismissal so I'm at Edgar Street on Tuesday evening, pre-game for Hereford versus Telford and I'm with uh, Ben Goddard from the Hereford Times and um Ben, obviously been a very eventful 24, 36 hours in the life of Hereford. Yeah, it's been a, an interesting time. It has been an interesting time the last, well, ever since we were in the National League. When we came under Pete Beadle, he had eight games. 
and Mark Richards had the last, the most of the last season. Um, we didn't really put in the sort of performances how fans wanted from the side for the whole of the season, really. Especially at home, we were dreadful for most of the time at home. And I think that that was mostly down his downfall. Um, we came into this season with a brand new squad. Things were looking promising in pre-season. And there were an opening day against Bly, uh, Spennymoor where we conceded, gave them two goals, didn't play the best football and drew 2-2. They went to Gloucester and played terribly. Well, not terribly, but we, we weren't at the best. But we were against nine-man Gloucester. They got one sent off in the first half. We scored the opener. And then they had a, another man sent off before we scored the second. And you think it was 11 v 11, they might have got a point that night because we weren't playing our best football. And then we went to Kings Lynn on Saturday and the least said about that, the better, really. It was a dreadful day for everyone involved in the club. Um, we were defensively very poor. Um, we couldn't put a couple of passes together and I think that was his downfall and that's why the decision was made to, to, to give him the three games and he was out the door, really. I suppose it's the, it's the timing that's probably um, surprised everybody more than than anything that, that three games and obviously the echoes with Peter Beadle's departure after just eight games last year as well. I think there was a lot lot more pressure for Richards to go this time than there was ever for Beadle to go after eight games um, and social media has been a light the last couple of weeks with people's opinions on Richards and the chairman apologised to the fans after the game, he got on the supporters coach after the game at Kings Lynn so they were clearly not happy with what happened that day um, and it's been and two, uh, two days later the decision was made and there's never a good time to sack a manager, uh, head coach if, if you don't believe that you're going in the right direction do you give them another four games and end up in the bottom bottom half do you give them another four games might turn it around it's, it's all up in the air as soon as you, 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 you make that decision you made it and you've got to stick by it, haven't you I mean from the outside I mean it looked you know the the players that came in over the summer looked to me more of what he felt that, that Hereford needed. You know, you strengthened that spine of the team with Brandon Hall in goal, Martin Riley at centre half, Reach Stoich up front. Everybody's you know knows what he's capable of, and and they just sort of felt like they were going to be, bring a bit more of that sort of nous, for want of a better word, that, that teams at this level want. I think we obviously we got ahead of football. Tim Harris, who's taking the side tonight, um, and a lot of the signings. Are down to Tim and Mark. They both contributed towards the signings. So Tim will obviously believe that the team wasn't playing how he'd like the team to be played, and maybe that had somewhat to, to Mark's departure. If you make all these big signings and you're obviously paying a, a lot more money than we were last season, I don't think that's a secret. Um, then you expect to, to at least see signs of decent play on the pitch. And if you don't see that in three games, do you give them another three, four, five games to show that? Or do you make the decision now and then give another manager another four or five games that he might not have had? Because you know what this league's like? Once gaps are created, they're very hard to put a string of six, seven, eight wins or decent results together to close them gaps. So it's one of them, isn't it? It is. And I guess now the search is on for uh, a new head coach. Any, any any suggestions at all at the moment? Any have the supporters suggested who they might like? Well, no, it's all up in the air. Uh, no one really has a clue. Um, Kevin Nuckerson was linked with the job. Um, I think he got down to the last couple last time, so I don't know whether he'll be involved again. Um, they've appointed Andy Bevan um, with the, to do the youth system, and he is a UEFA qualified coach. So whether they promote from within, I don't know. Um, Ian Long is a fan's favourite. He's at Stourbridge at the moment as a manager. So whether he would want a coach role and whether that would suit him, I don't know. And whether they're going to go with the system they've got. You might see Tim Harris and they might make way and they might make way for a manager. That's all up in the air. Um, they say they're looking for a head coach. So at the moment, Hereford fans believe that we're staying with the same structure. But you know what football's like, that can change quite quickly in a matter of hours, days, minutes. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Okay, Ben, that's great. Thanks very much for your input on that. And um, we'll maybe catch up with you when the new appointment's made and um, see how the fans of Ealing made it then. No problem, anytime. Okay, cheers. Thank you. So that was Ben Gaddard, and, and it was a good night for, for Hereford in the end, wasn't it, Dickie? And, and as we'll find out on the weekend, it's been a good week for them generally. Yes, it was. They didn't seem to suffer any immediate um, from what had happened at, you know, only about 36 hours earlier. They beat Telford 1 0, and then they've gone on a really long away trip to Blythe yesterday. Um, you know, admittedly, Blythe don't have any points yet, but that's still a really, really long away trip. And they've got a Mike Simons goal, has got them a 1 0 win. You wonder if they might be looking and thinking, well, maybe we don't need a manager. You know, they seem to have picked up better results without Mark Richards than, or without anybody in charge than, than, than they had with him. But no, I'm sure they're looking for somebody. But um, uh, it'd be interesting to see if they go for it. It seems like it's it's not just the results, but it's the, the style of football that the fans at Hereford haven't been enjoying. Um, so, yeah, it's been intriguing to see who they're going for. They're up to fourth position now all of a sudden. It's, it's amazing. As we said, a couple of good results just to propel you up there, don't they? Yeah, but this stage of the season, back-to-back wins, you know, six points in a league where, you know, the top team have only got 13, you know, you, you can change this really, really quickly. And I suppose that's something they're going to come on to shortly with yesterday's results and, and looking at the table. It's just how... <sighs> Unsettled it is at the moment. I mean, I might as well jump into it now. I had a you know, look at the table, and I think the bottom six places are occupied by four of the teams that were in the playoffs last season, and one other team who just missed out, as in Telford themselves. That just shows you how topsy turvy the table is at the moment. Yeah, it's been it's been flipped upside down, hasn't it, Chris? At the minute. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really strange because obviously I saw these. Uh, those sides last season, and they were, you know, they were fantastic. Um, particularly, I know Spennymore have got ground uh, ground issues. Altering, I'm surprised. Telford, I'm surprised to see in in, in those spaces. Um, and Blythe, wow! I mean, what a, what a difference the change of uh, change of manager has, has done there. Alan Armstrong, obviously, obviously leaving over the uh, over the close season as well. And uh, yeah, it's a shame to see them down there. It is. I mean, I think Alan Armstrong's departure, I think you've perhaps seen some of the factors behind that now. He, he was talking about the budget and that he wasn't able to sort of, he couldn't guarantee he was going to be able to keep together a very good Blythe side that he'd put together. Um, obviously, he didn't help with that when he went and took a number of those players to Darlington with him. And, and Lee Clark's come in and he's got a tough job on his hands there because he's having to recruit um largely from sort of like the local area and Blythe might not be, you know, the first choice for uh, for players to go to in that area when you've got so much competition there with the likes of Spennymore, when you've got Darlington there. Um, uh, yeah, so it's tough for them and, and no points from, from four games, bearing in mind they are, they still played one game less because their game at Spennymore didn't happen. Um, it, it's a tough start for them. A team who've had a, had a great start, who again were down really looking over the shoulders last season the Geisley and they had a fantastic win midweek beating Spennymore and then they followed that up with a 1-1 draw on Saturday against Boston and, and they started off really well and I think what they've done this year is, is they've recruited from lower levels they've, they've signed two of the leading scorers from Brighouse who were two divisions below and they've hit the ground mar- uh, hit the ground running Aaron Martin scored again for them on Saturday Yeah I, I don't know what's behind that but whether you know there's just a suggestion that those players who've been signed from lower divisions are just that bit hungrier to prove themselves at this level rather than players who you know have, have been at a higher level but then dropped down with Geisley and then you know there's a little bit of a hangover from that but but Marcus Bignett has, has certainly made uh, a difference over the summer um, at Geisley and yeah they've, they've had a terrific start I mean we're talking about teams having good starts. We've mentioned Hereford, we mentioned Geisley. Yeah, Kingsland, the wrong defeat so far, was on the opening day of the season at Geisley, and they've recovered really well from that. And I think, obviously, they'll be strong at home this year, and the away form will be key for them. And so far, they've done they've done well on the travels, Kingsland, haven't they? As you say, with, they drew 1-1 at Brackley midweek, that was away from home, yeah. and then, obviously, they won at Telford on Saturday. So, uh, not a bad start for them. No, not bad at all. I mean, they, they almost came away from Brackley with nothing. I think they were given a, awarded a penalty in the 90th minute. Then straight to the other end, Brackley were awarded a penalty. Brackley failed to convert that one, and that's the difference. 
three points, one point just in that couple of minutes there. But um, no, they looked full of confidence. They looked a team that had got momentum from from coming through the playoffs last year. And let's not forget they got to come through a super playoff, not just winning their own division, but then having to beat the winners of the Evo State North. They went away to Warrington, which is a tough mm-hmm. place to go, and they won that. So they're nobody's fools, Kings Lynn, and certainly on their own patch, they'll. Um, I think they'll be a tough proposition for a lot of teams. Yeah, we'll move on to Telford shortly when we we head further down the table, Dickie. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, we have to mention it though. It's, you know, I can't skirt around it. It's um, it's not been a great start, and you know, touching on that, um, what we said about the teams towards the bottom, and I said we've got Altrincham down there. It felt like Altrincham had geared up over the summer to push on from where they were. It felt as though Telford were, you know, trying well. Um, and, and maybe the pieces of the puzzle that they've added just haven't clicked into place yet. Obviously, Spennymoor are down there, but they've only played three games compared to everybody's five. But that, yeah, yeah they've got the, the games in hand and they'll get them played over the coming months. But it's a very stop-start beginning to the season for Spennymoor and they just can't sort of, you know, if they get a, a decent result, but uh, you wonder if they're going to be able to have the momentum to keep that going. Yeah, and in terms of the other playoff places, Chester are in there, which we kind of expected. I mean, I've not really spoken to you about this yet, Chris, but you, you've tipped them to actually be um, champions, Chester. I mean, what, what was your reasoning behind that? Well, my reasoning was the, the you know they've recruited really well. I think look, I think last season they were disappointing. Last season, let's face it, but they were. If you remember, they were derailed by the ground issues. There was the the storm and the ground. They couldn't play there because it wasn't safe and all this sort of stuff. And I, I think that had an effect on the rest of the season. But this season, I think Bernard and John have recruited really well. You know, we know they're good managers. They've uh, they they were fantastic at Salford. They're experienced, and I just I've just got a feeling that they're they're going to do all right this season. And so it proved yesterday. They had a fantastic result yesterday, didn't they, at home against Gloucester? Yeah, Gloucester. have been. He started off the season quite well, also. But yeah, um, they're looking. They're certainly looking strong at home, and uh, we know that Bernard and John will probably, you know, um, handle the pressure from the the home crowd because it's quite a demanding crowd there, and they've um, they've upped the training this year, and they've brought in some really good players as well. So it'll be interesting to see how they fare. As I say, they're only um, they're just four points off top top spots. Also down there occurs in Ashton. They suffered their first defeat of the season on Saturday, losing at home to Kidderminster. A great start for Curzon. We'll get on to Kidderminster in a minute, Dickie, because I know you want to talk about that. But um, that was quite a surprise for me, Chris Curzon losing that. Well, if you go on the you know form up until then, uh, yeah, it's a surprise, isn't it? Uh, but you know, just a blip, and it's only it's only a goal. And I think you've really got to. Uh, Give credit to Mark Bradshaw and his, and his team there, and everything that they're trying to do. Because for them to to have uh, been unbeaten in the in the first four games is is a real achievement, and I do expect them to to bounce back as well and uh, and, and carry on. Southport's unbeaten start of the season came to an end as well. Uh, they lost two 0 at Darlington, so they remain in seventh place. Uh, Darlington are in ninth. They've had a, a funny start. They've won all the home games, but lost all their away games so far. And they're one of eight, they're one of seven teams on seven points currently, uh, along with Kinnaminster Dickey. Who, um, they made a quite surprising announcement this week. Yeah, they did. Uh, I don't think um, uh, people. And I'm one of those where um, weren't especially looking for any kind of announcement. But Kidderminster made a statement this week to say that they were talks were ongoing uh, about a change of ownership at the club, and um, that they, they couldn't talk any more about it because it was going through all the legal processes and procedures. But I have a feeling that will probably um, uh, be good news uh, to, to the ears of Kidderminster Harriers fans. I think they feel that they're. They're slipping backwards from where they, they feel they should be. And they've been a playoff contender, um, and then they, they slipped back from that last year and underachieved, I would say. They've not started this season fantastically, although, you know, seven points from five games is OK. But I think it's I think it's the style of football that they're seeing now. I think they got used... They were a little bit, maybe a little bit spoiled a couple of years ago, and two, three years ago, they had an outstanding passing team but with a little bit of a soft centre. I think they've tried to cure 
up centre, but it's meant they've lost a little bit of the style. And uh, Kidderminster almost feel like a club that aren't quite sure what they want to be and aren't, aren't quite sure what direction they want to go in at the moment. Um, but I guess you know you can say the same for a, for a number of clubs. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. It's interesting as well with uh, with Gate said they've had. Um all draws so far, and it looked like they were heading to a fifth consecutive draw on Saturday before a late winner from Josh Coyote finally gave them their first win of the season. Yeah, it was looking like it was going to be five draws out of five. Um, so Gateshead are one of the four unbeaten teams in there, but it's those those draws that have that have held them back. But um, they finally got their first win on the board, and I'm sure that will um, you know set them in good heart. I think if you're drawing games. As Chris alluded to earlier, I think with somebody you've got that sense that you're not that far away. It just needs a bit of tinkering. You're, you're at least not losing games, but to wins is is you know the X factor that everybody's looking for, and they finally cracked it yesterday. So maybe they'll push on from here. Farzah, Chris, they've started off really well. I mean, we've seen them, haven't we, over the last couple of seasons. And, and, and it's no surprise to me that they are up, up in, in 12th position. A solid start for them. They've got a lot of experience in that squad. Difficult place to go as well. Yeah, well, you hit the nail on the head, haven't you, Luke? It's no surprise to people who have watched uh, you know, who have watched them over the last years. Yeah, it's, it's no surprise. They're a, they're a really good team and a very, very difficult place to go to. Um, I don't know what the home record has been over the last few years, but I bet they haven't lost many games there. Yeah, they, I mean, they lost on Tuesday at home to Southport. That's been their only defeat for a while at home. As I yeah. say, they, they, they beat they both Northeastern clubs, both Darlington and Spennymoor so far at home. They've drawn at York. Um, so it's been a decent start for them, as we say. Um, heading down towards the bottom, uh, you've got Boston, who uh, are way above... Obviously, the, the relegation zone, they're on six points in 15th. They had an interesting game against Leamington in midweek. There was two sendings off apiece for both sides, so four sendings off in the game. And uh, it's funny to hear um, one of the Boston players afterwards go, there was a lot of space on the pitch. I thought, yeah, I bet there was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think one of those red cards in that game was a second successive dismissal for junior English of Leamington as well. I think he got sent off last Saturday. So um, he's potentially looking at a, a lengthy suspension at an early point of the season. Indeed, Boston drew 1-1 with Geisley. In terms of, we're speaking about Altrincham and Spennymoor. I mean, we're expecting those sides to pick up, aren't we? Altrincham have had a, a tough start fixture-wise, haven't they? The, the, the teams that they've, um, they've only really played teams that are, they'd expect to be in mid-table, like Gloucester and, and Alverton, they've taken four points off them. But you look at it and they've faced... Um, they faced Brackley, they faced York, they faced Chester, all in their opening five games. Yeah, and I, and I think from what I saw of Altrincham last year, and I've, I've said this before, I thought they were one of the best teams that I that came to Telford and certainly away at Altrincham as well. They were impressive. Um, I wouldn't expect them to stay down there. I think there's there's too much quality in in what they've got. But you know, sometimes. It's it's that thing of you you've got quality players, but but are trying to fit them all into a system that works. You know that sometimes you can almost tinker too much with something that works and, and over engineer it, and then you're kind of left with a problem. And uh, I don't know whether that's the case at Altrincham. We'll 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 see as the as the weeks go on. You know, possibly the, the you know people might argue that's the same at Telford as well. Um, you know, Spennymoor they've added a few, but again. They're sort of hamstrung a bit by the by the, the, the situation with not having played so many games, but you, you generally feel that when there's there's quality in the squad, that eventually that will come through. Yeah, Bradford they got their first point of the season uh, with a draw with Gateshead on Tuesday, and it looked like they may have turned the corner, but unfortunately they lost four nil at Alfreton on Saturday, but. It's good for Bradford to, to get that point on the board after all the sort of turmoil they've had in the opening weeks of the season. Oh, very much so, and especially away at Gateshead. I think with Gateshead having drawn three, all three games going into that, that a lot of people were thinking, this is Gateshead's first win coming this evening. And Bradford Park Avenue went there and got a point, and they've got quite a young squad, and I think that would have been very encouraging for them. Obviously, it's it's a knockback, you know, to, to lose uh, 4-0 at Alfreton as they did yesterday, but that's a, that's a difficult place to go. Um, I'm up at Bradford Park 
time with Telford, so I'll probably be able to give a bit more of a, a reasoned assessment of, of what's going on and maybe, you know, speak to one or two people there about the situation. But, um, yeah, you don't like to see anybody down there. And I, I, I think the thing that stands out for them at the moment, aside from just the points, is a goal difference of minus 17 after five games. You know, that that's going to take some turning around. And, you know, with, with only two relegation places as well, used to say goal difference isn't going to become really important at the end of the season. Just a 17-0 victory over Telford next week then should help. Uh, I hope not because it's on my birthday so that wouldn't be a particularly good way to celebrate. Oh but, God. Um, yeah. No, no. I'm looking forward to my trip there. It's um, it's not. A, it's a nice place to, to go. You know, I don't know some people say about the, the stadium isn't, you know, perhaps the best but it's got some character and it's got some you know, rather unique features about it, and they also serve really, really good chips there as well. I must mention that. So, yeah. Oh, it's your... I love going there, Dicky. I absolutely love going to Bradford Park Avenue. I love the stadium. I have it's taken the opportunity. Yeah, I've taken the opportunity to have a run along the running track alongside the pitch before now, but I think it's all fenced off. You can't get to it. Oh, and you've got the museum there as well, haven't you? I've not I've not been to the museum, so that's something I'll have to try and take in. Maybe that's my birthday treat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, uh, yeah. On that on that note, we'll um, we'll head off. Thank you very much for listening to us once again, Dickie, Chris. Thanks for joining us. You're very welcome, Luke. Cheers, Luke. Ian, thanks for joining us. No problem. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers, Chris. Cheers, Dickie. Cheers, Ian. Cheers, Thank you. And don't forget to subscribe to us as well via iTunes and Spotify and it's uploaded to your device. Until then, happy football watching and we'll be back next week.